You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Hey, everybody. You're here to listen to discussions with people who are creating independent music. And I am so excited to bring on a person who has been on the show previously, came on like some three odd years ago. This person is named Chadwick Johnson. He plays in a band called Hundredth, who just released a spectacular new record called Somewhere Nowhere. They released it themselves. It's, uh, I, I love the record so much. And I highly encourage you to, uh, you know, stream it wherever you do your streaming. And uh, they have a whole new line of merch and vinyl, all that fun stuff. But I had to have Chad on because uh, he's, he's become a friend since I last spoke to him. And I just, I find his musical journey very, very compelling. And I hope that you find my, my dog squeaking uh, her toy in the background compelling as well. But I, I had to have him on because I felt like I, I had him on the show like just as the band was kind of shifting to the whole sort of like shoegaze thing that they did on their rare LP. And now they've kind of, you know, are, I guess, bridging the gap between like, you know, pop and shoegaze. And they sit at this really, really interesting intersection. And uh, the band is going to continually produce really interesting music, in my opinion, and going to, uh, yeah, just evolve. So I had to have a chat on. That was ultimately what it came down to. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do in a minute. First of all, you can always email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. And please, please tell your friends, tell your loved ones, whoever it is that is interested in independent music, I would love them to check out this show. I'd love them to be a part of our weirdo download family. <laughs> I think that's just what I've affectionately known as the, uh, or affectionately calling the people who are downloading these uh, these episodes over, gosh, you know, eight some odd years, but Man, it's it's crazy, and I love I love the fact that the, I'm still able to do this, and people are still listening. Like, you know, you should have been on to the next new podcast or whatever. Like, sometimes I get asked, or it's like you've been doing this for so long, and there's you know a ton of podcasts out now. Like, how do you engage? And I'm like, well. I, I'm just curious personally, so I want to have these conversations. And if you decide to ride along with it, that's awesome, and I appreciate that. But if you decide to drop this podcast in favor for another podcast, so be it. We're I, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here in three years, ten years, hopefully, uh, as long as podcasting still exists, which I'm fairly certain it will. But uh, yeah, I just I I'm I'm just here here whenever you need me. You know, just knock on the door and be like, Hey Ray, can we uh, can we talk about uh, independent music? I'll be like, No problem. Welcome. Welcome back. It's been a couple of years. This is how the show sounds now. So, because I, and I hope you do notice that uh, I'm trying to make this show continually sound better, smoother, just kind of more pro for lack of a better term. But you know, that's, that's just what I'm doing for you, the listener. But anyways, uh, yeah, let's talk to chat. Okay. And I, of course, at the end of the episode, I will tell you what's coming up for the following week. Okay. Here we go. Just So, I mean, as we were just discussing before I was recording, like, you know, the, the last time we spoke was many years ago. And, uh, you know, you you were on a path of change in regards to the music that you were playing and the band right. and everything like that. And 
I'm going to presume not only because, you know, that warp tour is a grinding tour in general. And then on top of you guys playing music that didn't necessarily kind of fit into the, cause you, you were on the monster heavy stage, right? <clears throat> yeah. 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 What, you know, I, I can't recall. Cause I mean, I know that we've had interactions since then. Uh, but was that a, a real kind of tough tour for you because of all of the things going on, you know, warp tour, you not sounding like any of the other bands on the stage or was it kind of like, well, you know, it's an experiment. Uh, it was all right. I mean, it went about as good as we thought it was going to go. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we knew going into that tour, I think we discussed it on the last podcast, but like we knew that it was going to be weird and people were going to be confused watching us. I mean, we dropped that album the day the tour started. So, and we were playing all new stuff, but like, you know, I've said it like a bunch of times, but like, we just were committed to it. And we're like, we were, we were going to have more fun playing this new material to like, you know, half the crowd being confused than like to playing old songs to like a stoked crowd. So, I mean, yeah, it was like a selfish decision on our part, but like, we just felt like we were growing so far from that old material and we've been a band for a long time at that point. And we're just like, you know, we were just okay with the results, you know, and we had that, you know, we had issues obviously with like the bus and all that, which is whatever we we were lucky um, that it wasn't worse than what it was, but you know, when I go back and do it again, I mean, it would be fucking tough to do that for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, it, but it, like in the time, was it fine? Like, yeah, we, we got through it. It was like, you know, it wasn't like some crazy, like financial, like burden or anything. It was, uh, you know, it was still successful, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it was, it was definitely hard to, you know, which I love this band, but like, it was hard to like, you hear a mirror playing and then we're going up with our like, Jaguars and jazz masters and combo amps. It was like definitely kind of a shock to people. Totally. You know? Yeah. Wait, what do you what do you mean you got ten guitar pedals? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or there's like fans on the barricade waiting for Gore to play. And they're just oh, like, What yeah. is happening? And we're just like, Okay. There's I I'm like I'm like packing up my pedal board and like leaning down and like there's like fake or some days Gore would play before us, so there'd be like fake blood everywhere. I'm just getting it all over me. I'm like, this is, yeah, whatever. This will be a good story. So, yeah, yeah. It's it's like on one hand, you're like, what am I doing here? On the other hand, it's kind of like, well, you know, I mean, this is funny. I mean, I'm glad I'm here, yeah. but it's just funny. Yeah, I mean, we made the best of it for sure. I mean, we, I feel like overall, we're pretty like a self-aware bunch. And we made fun of ourselves sure. way more than anyone else could have made fun of us. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> No, and, that, and that's good. I mean, like going, yeah, going into those experiences kind of with your eyes wide open. It's like, I, you know, I distinctly remember, you know, once bands like, you know, Make Do and Mend or, you know, Man Overboard, like, you know, that whole East Coast, whatever, you know, run for cover, pop punk, post hardcore stuff. Like once that stuff started to get injected into Warp Tour, it was a real shift for not only those bands because they were like, dude, you know, this is a kind of a gamble. Like, we don't know right. how this is going to like go. Um, but then on top of that, also, you know, they're, I mean, it, I think every single one of those bands, you know, you guys included, went into it with their eyes wide open, where I think some people f- view this as like, okay, here's our shot to change our career. And then yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Some know. people view that as an end game, which like, I used to think that, you know, when we were like a, you know, small hardcore man, um, you know, I, I used to think like if, and we tried to get on Warped Tour like every year because we thought that was the path and that was the end. And then I think we kind of saw in 2015, we're just like, Hey, this is just like a, this can be a stepping stone or you can treat this like 
it's the it's like the pinnacle and to just go ahead pack it home quit the band go home you did it and go get like a normal job and like we never i don't know we, we were kind of privy to that early on when we did our first warp tour we we're like oh okay this is kind of just like a this is just a thing you know and right. this isn't like the end all be all this is literally like a tiny segment of music in general you know mm-hmm yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good, that's a very important point because I do think, especially with bands, like as you start to get, you know, momentum and <clears throat> opportunities come up and sometimes you definitely do lose the forest from the trees and then you have this goal and then once you achieve that goal, then it's just like, well, where do we go from there? It's like, well, I don't, I mean, you shouldn't view that as like the, yeah, the, like you said, you know, the ultimate finish line or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, last time we spoke just, you know, as, as two friends, you know, I know that you had, and you still are living in Los Angeles. You're in LA still, right? Am I crazy about that? No, I, I'm actually not. I was, oh, um, you were, I wa- oh, yeah, I was, I was, in. um, so yeah, we were living in me and my wife we were living in, Char- we were living in John's Island, which is like a suburb of Charleston. Um, and we just kind of got bored and we just put our house up for sale and moved to LA and like, you know, we were just kind of like, let's just see, let's just see what, what it's like. You know, um, she, she's a pastry chef, so she's kind of, she can kind of work anywhere. Um, so she found mm-hmm. a really cool company there. She was working for, and we went out there and it was great. I loved it. Um, we both loved it, but we just realized like, man, we can get so much more for our money in another place. And we kind of like weighed the pros and cons and we're like, Hey, like I can do what I can, what I do from anywhere. Basically I moved out there to just, you know, have just a, a larger, we both moved out there for opportunity reasons, thinking that like, you know, more opportunity would come our way. But then like my kind of takeaway from it is just like, yo, just do what you do where you're doing it. And then you can go, like I could fly to LA, you know, a couple times a month if I need to, but I would rather have like a, a more comfortable um, home base to work out of. So, cause obviously there we're like renting apartment, renting an apartment for a while. Um, and so we started toying with the idea of coming back. My wife like had a pretty, she was getting started on like a pretty, um, cool business, uh, uh, wedding. She does like uh cater dessert catering for like weddings and parties. And she makes like crazy ass cakes, which blow my mind all the time. But, um, sure. yeah. So she kind of wanted to get more into that. And then, like I, all of my like most of my like I have in, in any city like most of my friends live in LA like if I had to move to where most of my friends live it would be there um so you know obviously it was good for me but like if she wants to start a new business she wanted it to be closer to family which is my, my family's here her family's in Iowa but my mom's in the wedding business as well now so they kind of had a cool thing going and we just kind of realized like hey we could do, we could live a, like a more healthy kind of lifestyle um, back in Charleston. So we came home for Christmas to Charleston. We found a house we really liked. We were already talking to like a realtor and we just like pulled the trigger, put an offer on it. And we were, we were gone like Got out it. of LA. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, I, and it's a cool experience for you. I mean, like you said, you viewed this very much as an experiment. So, and it, it seemed like, 
to your point, like as you were out here, the type of, you know, uh, like network that you were building and like the sort of collaborations that you were doing from a, you know, musical perspective, it seemed like you got what you needed out of it. Right. And yeah. I mean, you were yeah. able to figure out your, your points after that, you know, how, how you were going to approach it after that. Yeah. I think I just needed to see the other side to see like, Hey, do I really want to do this? And like, just do this whole LA grind thing and just, you know, you know, take all these meetings where no one really does anything. They just keep saying they want to help you and they want to do all this shit. And then it's just like, they never actually do anything. It's just like delayed to the next month. And during that whole time, you know, it's just like, I could have just been, but I needed to see it, but I, you know, it, it was also like perfect timing too. That was kind of another thing. Like on hindsight, it's like we did make the right move because like we closed on this house like February 1st or something. And which was crazy. Like our, that journey back, which is kind of like, obviously we're probably going to talk about the new album, but that's kind of like probably a good transition because we, we put an offering on the house. We went back, Taryn, my wife, she like started packing up, but I just started packing up all of our stuff over like three weeks. And I had already had scheduled time to go to Sam's studio, Sam Puro to work out of like one of the East rooms. So while she's packing up all of our stuff, I'm writing like the bulk of this album and recording it. And then I, I come home and I come back to LA. We get in the, like we have like a day pack up the rest of the stuff, uh, drive across, close on the house. And then three days later we like left for a Europe tour. So it was like, a, it was a crazy, crazy couple months for sure. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> especially going into the studio with like no songs i mean we had songs but like the goal was just to start over so i was just like all right cool i gotta make an album in three weeks and then i gotta move and then we gotta rehearse and we gotta go on tour and right it was just a shit show but honestly like once we came back from that tour and the pandemic started it was kind of like whoa i'm glad we're not in la right now right <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad yeah. we f- not only fit all this stuff in before the world shut down, but then, yeah, I'm glad I'm not <laughs> located there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, we're looking back, we're just like, man, we, I'm glad we didn't have to quarantine there because it was just, especially me trying to finish the album when I got home back from tour. So yeah, I mean, in, in hindsight, I think we, we made the perfect move at the perfect time. And um, yeah, so we're back in Charleston, Mount Pleasant. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cr- crazy. Well, good. Well, congratulations. I'm glad that that Thank was you, able man. to, uh, yeah, work itself out. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's interesting that you, you know, went into this studio, you know I mean? Bands do that obviously, you know, just kind of being like, okay, we got the time. I have some ideas, got some riffs, got some, you know, <laughs> choruses or whatever, but you know, we don't have <laughs> a full album written. Did, right. did you feel like that, uh, you know, basically made you, more hyper focused on the fact that like, Hey, this is all I have. This is the only time that I have to be able well, to finish this stuff. Or was it just kind of what you wanted to do? Um, I think, well, I went in hoping that like I could, I didn't go in thinking I'm going to come out with an album. I went, I went, I went going with kind of the goal of like, Hey, we put out these four songs last year. Uh, we've written like for this whole project, I think we've written like 65 songs or something. Um, and we scrapped so many early songs that just didn't feel like they were developed enough or it wasn't just, it didn't feel like the next chapter really. It just felt like kind of a, a 0.5 instead of a 2.0 from rare. Um, and so I went, I mean, the goal was just to kind of get focused because it, it to get me to, 
to get somewhere like making something it, i just require like a dumb amount of immersion and like escape and like crazy focus and I, isolation honestly it's like because i just get distracted or like i just get pulled out of a moment and then i'm like trying to get back to that moment and you know it's just so, so i the goal is like i hit up sam and i was just like hey i want to come i want to work out of the east studio and i just want to like work till the wee hours of the morning by myself on stuff and then you'll be there during the day if we need to track any real drums or or if you you know if you're working on something else that's completely fine just pop in and like you know he kind of was more like the overseer that's just like ah, i like what you're doing today like or like i kind of hear this like lead in there that's kind of like this let's try it out oh that didn't work well maybe this and then i would take his idea and like change it overnight he would come back in the morning and i'd have something completely different so um that's a long way to answer your question but i i mean this was also the first album where i just went there by myself to make it um which was like not necessarily a conscious decision i mean right now it's me andrew and alex that are in the band which we've basically been like the we're basically the founding members i mean our first album andrew wasn't on but like the next in 2011 he was so um Mm -hmm. Yeah, they all have other stuff that they do. And Alex is a tattooer. Andrew builds motorcycles. And they didn't have the time to like fly out to California for three weeks. So I was just like, you know what? I think I got the vision. And I think I have kind of the tools and the kind of hopefully the ability to write something that we can all be like proud of and that we want to listen to. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of how we arrived at that. It was more like logistical rather than just like, I don't want you guys to help. You know, I, I want to go right. right. It wasn't <laughs> yeah, that, you know, because it was always like, right, hey, if right. you have any ideas, send them like whatever, whatever. So that was kind of the first um, that's kind of how it started. And then obviously, once we got back home from Europe, Alex threw a couple songs in the out. Well, not obviously, because we haven't heard this before, but um, Alex threw a couple songs at me and we threw those back and forth. And a couple of those ended up on the album, too. I'm obsessed with band merch. It's one of those things when I open up my closet and I look at all those black and blue and gray t-shirts and I'm like, you know what? It just makes me really happy. And I I dive in because I'm like, I haven't worn this shirt in like a year. I think I'm going to put this on and like, boom, it just brings me back to when I bought that or when I last listened to that band or I'm excited to wear this out in public because people will be like, hey, what's up with that shirt? rockabilia.com is the place where you can buy all of your band merch and start your collection today. Use the code PC100Words. That gets you 15% off your order. I'll give you some reasons. First of all, it's all officially licensed stuff. High quality. The bands get paid for this merch, which is incredibly important. In the world of bootlegs that exist, it breaks my heart because the bands don't see any money and usually you're getting a low quality garment. That is not how Rockabilia rolls. It's independently owned which that means you are supporting a small business. And they've been in business for 25 plus years, so they know how to get you your stuff quickly. And I just, they have so much stuff. Like you're looking for long sleeves, hoodies, scarves, puzzles, flags, banners, posters, whatever it is you need, they got it. I obviously like short sleeve t-shirts, so that's what I have always ordered for them. But anyways, use this code PC100Words. That will get you 15% off your order. Do it today. Thank you very much, Rockabilia. I think the, like you were talking about, the kind of immersion. I do think that regardless of how long you have in the studio, it does, you know, the studio feels like a real, 
you know, different place <laughs> than yeah. you know the world. Like even if you're just doing it for like, you know, weekends or whatever, it does feel like you 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 go into this place and yeah. you're only focusing on that. Yeah, which is nice. I mean, especially Sam's studio because there's like no windows. So it's amazing and also crazy at the same time because you just walk out and it's night, you know, or you walk out and right. it's morning. <laughs> Sometimes it's a casino. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> He just needs like vague slot machines, like playing in the back or like white noise, right. like those Japanese arcades. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. The, the yeah. pachinko machines. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, they just need to, he just needs to pump in oxygen there in order to like keep you awake. Cause I think that's True. what they do in, uh, in casinos as well. <laughs> Honestly, like the thing that well, helped me keep a schedule was like, I took one of my dogs with me and I knew that she had to eat at a certain time and she had to go outside like every couple hours. So that helps me not like completely just like lose my mind which was nice <laughs> totally yeah i gotta take care of this other living thing yeah because if it was me know. i just wouldn't eat and i would just be like starving at like 9 a.m and hadn't slept and you know right. eating eating dinner in the morning it's like wait hold on exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> Well, and it's it's been interesting too because I mean, you know, I, I know that as you were releasing those uh, singles last year, and you know, th- you were essentially ushering your audience along even further to be like, "Hey, this is how we're going to continue to explore our sound." Like, we are right. still kind of at the core of it, going to be you know a quote unquote band. It's not going to just be this like you know sort of like solo bedroom project of you know you, right. um, because I, I you know I, I do think like comparing especially you know the new record and and those songs that those singles you released last year like you know there's a definite kinship to like the whole you know captured tape scene like you know wild nothing like all of that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff um but you know usually all of that comes from a you know a a completely separate universe than the world that you know you and i have come from like the punk and hardcore scene and it's really interesting to watch people follow you guys you know that have obviously been attached to the band since that scene like you know i'm sure you have communication with people who are like oh yeah like i've liked you and i still like you (laughs) you know like maybe that shouldn't have been the case because theoretically people should be like oh i i I don't you know i don't don't like the band anymore because they don't mosh or whatever right 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 well yeah i mean with those yeah i mean it's you mentioned the capture tracks thing it's like Yeah, like you said, a lot of that is born in the bedroom. But I mean, a lot of those singles were written just like in a bedroom. Um, And we, I mean, we've always written in a bedroom, but we ended up like a lot of those early albums, we would go to the studio and like play them in a room all together. Like rare, we played in a room all together before we um, like recorded it all. So, you know, obviously the instrumentation kind of changes and like it becomes more of a rock kind of thing. But, you know, the four singles last year were, mainly written like in a studio and those were almost kept like all those sounds that on the demo were kept and just mixed into the final product and real drums were just kind of recorded over what we made in the bedroom so you know it it did kind of like end up being a good transition like it um, i guess it it wasn't on purpose but i feel like it happened naturally because i don't know if it like just as goes along with kind of the ethos that we've kind of adapted to this point where it's just like hey just write what you want to hear and you have to stop thinking about what everyone else wants out of your band, you know? And this album I think is like our, my biggest commitment to that for sure. Um, 
but I think it definitely helped to stay active in those four. Because a lot of time I debated about putting those four songs on the album because I was like, people have already heard this. And what's the line between someone hearing too many songs on an album and not wanting to listen to it when the album comes out? And, you know, my my like kind of final viewpoint, which which led to the singles being on the album was like, when I look back, this feels like a body of work to me in like three years from now. It feels like it all fits. And I don't think there's that much separation between 2019 and 2020 as far as like the sound of these songs, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't think it was like a conscious decision. I think it was like, because the first song we dropped was whatever. And that was like almost the biggest shift. You know, that was one of the, that's one of the more chill songs on the album. So it was kind of a shocker. And then, you know, I think we kind of realized, hey, this song is fun. We played it live at like Gov Ball and some tours and stuff. And we were like, this is, this is a cool, this is a fun song to play, but it does feel a little slow. So maybe when we go to write the next song, so we can maybe up the tempo a little bit and kind of keep rocking. Because when we all get together, it's kind of like we want to have guitars on and we want to play quote unquote guitar music and rock music, you know. But kind of when we're chilling on our own, most of us like are listening to like more electronic stuff. So trying to find like a, a good mix of that is kind of what this album ended up being, which I think those singles helped us kind of transition into. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you articulating that. Cause I, I do think that there is something that is inherently the, the, the experience of what you're talking about where it's like, you know, we want to create music from this really wide range of, you know, uh, sounds that we like, but at the same time, like we don't want to be just this like, you know, button pressing band that it's like you know like because that stuff like yeah. you know n- not not throwing like Tycho is one of my favorite musicians and bands and he is yeah, not boring same. live but True. it's one of those things where you could easily see that music being like watching paint dry if it was ever you know uh, executed in a very non-boring in a very boring right way. yeah but it's Which funny is why it's like dark that, projectors right. and all that yeah. Yeah. So that's, but that it's cool that you like, you know, even at the core of it, stuff may be, you know, energetic or, you know, mo- like a little more mellow, but at the core of it, you still want to be, you know, an engaging band live. Cause I think that some people, you know, they don't, they're not concerned with that. <laughs> they're just yeah. sitting there, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've, I haven't thought this way for a long time, but like in the last year or so, I've realized like some of my favorite albums I can listen to both passively and actively and have a good experience either way. And that's like one of the main things. If there was a mood board for this album, that was like one of the main things on it was, you know, I want this to be able to be played in the background at like a dinner party and no one to think twice about it, but then also, and no one to even listen to it is to just kind of contribute to the overall vibe of the party and make everyone have a good time, you know? Um, or if someone wants to get like crazy heady and put on headphones and like fully immerse and escape from stuff, I want there to be enough substance and like uh, lyrical kind of themes and like without getting too like crazy, you know, existential, like just some things to kind of like basically what a hardcore band does with lyrics, like is what people normally get immersed in. It's like the honesty, the, the energy of just like letting out frustrations and like, I feel like there's a new way to do it and um, that that isn't as like boxed in. And so I wanted there to be kind of like the ability to put headphones on and like get crazy deep into the album and like discover new things all the time, even with like sonic layers or 
different lyrics that might like apply to another song. Like just, I wanted there to be en- enough for people to chew on if they wanted to, you know? And like, honestly, more yeah. than enough that people could like keep chewing on for like hopefully years, you know? I mean, we're getting into this crazy kind of short cycle on music and bands and people's attention spans. But I mean, the goal for me is to make, always is to make something that's going to last longer than our band does, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that articulation of the idea that <laughs> the the record is there for whatever level you want to take it at. You know, if it's just simple surface level, you're fine with that. But then if you want to dig into that, because I, I do think to your point, those are the records that will last longer with you. They have a you, you have more uh, layers to peel back on. It's not just this one you know, tone or note for the entire right. time where it's like those records are good, but they don't might, you know, they may just hit you. And then six months later, you'd be like, Oh, I haven't listened to that in a really long time. Yeah. Which I feel like kind of with, with rare, it was, that was kind of the Achilles heel on it was that it all kind of, it was the same instrumentation the whole time, you know? Yeah. Which no, was, which, you know, at the end of it, I feel like I can't listen. Yeah. I mean, I love that album and I, I'll always love that album. But I, it's just like I get a little when I have to hear it because I don't really love to listen to stuff after it's out. But um, yeah. <laughs> normally I listen to it a ton until it comes out, and then I'm like, oh, I don't have to listen to it anymore. Cool. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but when I, on. yeah, 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 exactly. When I listen to it back, I'm like, ah, oh, this is a lot of the, a lot of the same drums, this is a lot of the same guitars, and the vocals are just drowned out the whole time. So. We definitely that was definitely taken into consideration, like making this album, trying to make each song have its own like moment and like like almost feel. Um, yeah, so yeah, that makes sense. No, and, and listening to the record, like yeah, I, I very much agree that that you know that comes across in spades, not only with its diversity, but the idea that again, there's you know multiple layers to peel back. Um, yeah. Something else I wanted to you know bring up and pick your brain on because I, I know that you've absolutely experience this in some capacity where I find this, this uh, interesting perception of the way that people, you know, view the intersections of, you know, like uh, what, for lack of a better term, like indie rock and then, you know, punk and hardcore where it's like, they're, you know, people that, you know, when I say people like, a, you know, this is painting with a very broad brush, but like the idea that, okay, people that kind of come from the indie rock scene, you know, have a lot of the same experiences that, you know, people like you and I do playing in bands for years and doing that whole DIY stuff, but never really have that phase of either playing in a hardcore band or like being in a punk band and that sort of stuff. There is that level of, uh, you know, like, I guess, superiority, arrogance, like, of just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, that's, that's cute. You were into hardcore or whatever. Like, just that, <laughs> that general, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, it, then I look at a band like you guys where it's like, you know, clearly you can play, like you said, you know, you played Governor's Ball, like you can play much more diverse festivals <laughs> than you would have been able to do five years ago or whatever. Um, do you have, like, have you experienced that sort of like level of, uh, it doesn't even have to be like directly to your face where it's just like, you know, oh, oh Chad, like used to be, you know, 100th was a hardcore band, you know, like, oh, it's cute. You're trying something new or whatever. You know, have you kind of experienced that sort of like, I guess, judgment or like looking down upon from that scene in general? Or is that something that, you know, is just kind of like, I guess, out there, but it's not outwardly expressed? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see a lot of that from like people who would potentially be like our fans. 
Um, if I have seen or experienced that, it's mainly from like industry people who like just feel like they don't even want to touch anything that has ever been on like warp tour before. So I don't even think it's like more right. hardcore. I think it's just anything like like more seen in general, you know, like as far as like alternative press kind of bands or like any band that's in warp right. tour, any of those old tours, like taste of chaos or any of those. Um, but as far as like fans, I don't feel like, you know, I mean, but we were never really like a crazy, like, you know, by the book hardcore band, you know, we were always kind of on the yeah. more like melodic kind of leaning more into like, almost at the beginning, like trying to lean more into like shy elude and like strong arm and even like notes of like killing the dream and hope conspiracy. We were never like a, you know, brick font with graffiti on it and like a guy kicking through it, like cartoon hardcore man, you know, like, sure. so like, I feel like we don't get compared to like, oh, cute. They used to be in a hardcore band. Now they're trying to do something that we get like, oh yeah, they used to be like on a warp tour and like tour with a bunch of Christian bands and they used to have, they used to all be Christians. And like, uh, you know, it's like, you're always outrunning kind of former versions of yourself, you know, especially when anything you do is like analyzed or people like get to have an opinion about it you know that's kind of if there's one thing that like i hate about like being a band it's that people just like expect you to stay the same forever which is so fucking frustrating because if you're an employee like no one no one no one cares like if you switch jobs you know if you decide you don't want to be a real estate agent anymore and you start like cooking at the homeless shelter like no one gives a shit but yet we like put up all these barriers for like anyone who's considered like an artist that they have to stay the same, which at this point is just like the motivating fact it's, it, instead of my frustration, like being mad at it. Now I just choose to let it like fuel what comes next, you know, which is really the only way to be. I've yeah. learned. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. I, and I think that is a very valid point where it's like the, the warped tourness, you know, it's like that, that stuff is, you know, from, and it, you're right. It's mostly the industry and, you know, the industry makes decisions on what these festivals look like. And it's like you know, every year when Coachella gets announced, I always like to look at the, Oh, here's the one heavy band that gets to play this yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Oh, death tones. There we go. Right. Totally. It's like, okay. Yeah. Here's, here's Thursday one year. Here's thrice one yeah. year. Here's touche more. Here's deaf heaven. And it's like every year it's like, I, I always laugh at that because I'm like, you literally can't include one more. <laughs> like yeah. you, you can't, you can't even think about that. It's like, Oh man, come on. I know. And, and I mean, I get it though. It is like a tiny scene, you know, it's like in, in comparison, mm-hmm. you know, but like when you're coming up in it, you think it's everything, you know, you think like, how do you not know who Thursday is or like, but, <laughs> but, but then I feel like at the same time, people are like, well, how do you not know? Now they're like, well, how do you not know about this new Latin trap artist? <laughs> You know, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't actually. And I don't even know anything about that scene. But they threw a couple of those acts on Coachella. So, you know, it's kind of interesting to see you. We like because we came from that. We're like constantly looking for a a bid for one of those bands. But like other other tiny scenes are are getting bids, too. You know, it's kind of it's weird. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think I, I think, you know, if I were to be honest, I think it's the. Um, I guess the validation for lack of a better term. Yeah, I, I think totally. it's just one of those, 
where it's like, that's the the craving where it's just like, well, this, you know, as this stuff gets recognized in, you know, larger capacities, you expect there that to be, a, you know, represented somewhat in the idea of, you know, festivals or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I understand. It's like, it's not like all of a sudden you're going to have heavy, mu- you know, one of the days at Coachella is going to be heavy music or anything like that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but no, I, I totally agree with you. It's just the, you know, there are all of these, you know, competing music interests of all these, you know, bifurcated scenes that maybe don't cross pollinate. But I, I think that, you know, to your point of what you're talking about, or, you know, with the idea of that you want, you want to be able to create different um, experiences with your music. Um, that is one of those things where, you know, festivals should take that into consideration where it's just like, sometimes people do want to get wild. Sometimes people do want to just do shrooms and, you know, dance or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, something else, the, uh, you know, I, I've, I've also been a huge fan personally of what you have done with the band in regards to the merch and the branding. And I mean, I hate to use the word branding cause you know, it yeah. sounds like such a business school term, but, totally. um, you know, like doing, you know, doing backpacks and swim trunks and like all of these things that are, uh, you know, not quote unquote normal within right. most bands lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, um, true. Has it is it one of those things where it kind of goes along with the ethos of just like, well, we want to do this and we want to try this, like whether or not people react positively or negatively to, you know, 100 swim trunks or whatever. We just want to make them look good and make them high quality. And then, you know, if people buy them, cool. Um, you know, what I guess what's the thought process as you're like talking through these ideas? Um, let's see. We, we did shorts first, I think in like 2015 or something. Um, and we knew, like, it was kind of a strategy. We were going on warp Tour and we are like, everyone just buys shirts all the time. Every band has t-shirts and it just started to get kind of boring, you know? And obviously we stopped, like, for a while there, we stopped just taking our name. We tried to, we did for a while, like, we wouldn't even put our name on the shirts. We'd just put, like, random stuff or just the logo, like, really small. Because overall, it just I've always kind of felt like, and it's getting a lot better now, but, like, in, from, like, 2010 to, like, 15 like band merch was atrocious it was like yeah. the worst and and i'm we're guilty of it too you know it's like it was just it was tacky and it was huge and it was like band name massive and it's like i don't know i just i just kind of grew to hate it and like i you know started like not wearing it and i was like well if we're gonna make like merch we should probably make stuff that we want to wear so we can wear it and it'll be cheaper so we just started kind of trying to get more minimal with it and trying to like focus on like trying to look at other brand, like actual brands who we thought were making like a cool cultural impact. And we're like, Hey, like we should maybe change the whole merch strategy to like less is more and like maybe higher quality instead of like, you know, crazy nine color, like on top of a, you're paying like almost the same amount of cost to print a crazy amount of colors on a shitty t-shirt. Like, same for the print right. as the t as the t shirt. It's like maybe we should do a nicer shirt with less on it, and everyone will be happy. And or hopefully people will even like it and think that it's even merchandise. So it kind of started as like an experiment. We just tried a bunch of different kind of stuff and kept it minimal. And obviously, like I was at the time. I mean, it worked for me because I was operating out of like a tiny bit of experience in Photoshop. Like I had no clue what I was doing. Um, so it worked. I mean, that's kind of what we had to do because at the time we had like no money. We're living on like 
that was, there was like a college. Yeah. yeah, there was like a point in this band where we are we were giving each other two dollars a day per diem, like we were living on two dollars. Like we would like, and I'm just thinking like, what the fuck are we doing? Like looking back, but like at the time, like that was awesome. I mean, I just, all I wanted to do was go on tour, so we would right. take the two dollars, go to Taco Bell, and they had those eighty nine cent beefy five layer burritos, and you get the change, you walk inside, you play that little game like on the counter to try to win more food. So of we got course. really good at that like, game. Hey, I got, I got free churros. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I got one more taco. Can I use your nickel? Like I want to get some cinnamon twists. <laughs> so yeah, that's right. Cinnamon twists. That was right. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like, there was some high tier items, but like we got to the point where like we were learning, like we got really good at it. We learned like how to tap the machine. Like when, you know, an employee wasn't looking because you weren't supposed to be able to tap it. But we would basically just finesse this machine and be like, hey, we, we got like two free tacos here. And they'd be like, okay, just give me, give me the, like, here's the tacos. Just leave, please. Like, okay, cool. That, Chad, that, honestly, I mean, I've heard a lot of, you know, funny, weird stories about how bands survive on the road. I really have legitimately never heard the Taco Bell, like, you know, <laughs> dropping the quarter in the water game. That's amazing. It, it kept us alive. Well, a lot of times, like, they made it a lot easier because I guess those machines, like the, the water would just get terrible and they didn't feel like filling it up. So we started noticing that like the water was gone and like half the machines, which made the game so much easier. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't even think they're still there anymore, but yeah. So that, no, I haven't seen, you know, yeah, I haven't seen one of those in years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so obviously we're off operating out of a deficit, like, you know, with ability and money. So we were just like, hey, we got to figure out how to up this merch game because we we're on a label where we weren't seeing any kind of money from streaming. It was kind of just a whole shit show. Um, so, or any money from sales or anything or any merch. So we just realized, hey, our tour merch has to slap and it has to be like good and we have to make everyone want it. So how do we do that? And then we started looking at, at the time, like brands like Huff and Hundreds and um, obviously Supreme. Um yeah, some stuff like that. And we, you know, didn't rip, we tried not to rip it off completely, but definitely, you know, kind of head in that lane where it's like something that at the time you could buy it, you know, a store or like a Paxon or something when, when Paxon was a thing. Is that even still a thing? I don't, I don't know. I think they are still in malls, but yeah, it's definitely much, much less than what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like 2011. So, yep. you know, it was hard to find a, a plain shirt without, some crazy logo on it but um so yeah i mean we just it was kind of out of experimentation and obviously deficit and when we just kept kind of pushing it you know we did a lot of hats for a while like we there'd be times where like and at that time we were also shipping i was shipping out all the orders myself too so i would just be at my parents house just packing hats and shirts and i'd hire my friends to come help me and like we just kind of were like hey we gotta hit online our online merch because that's the only way we're going to be able to like survive and keep touring. So right. yeah, we just started trying to do different stuff and kind of push the envelope a little bit on what we could get away with. As far as like one time we made like cups or something, we made like sold a bunch of cups. We, you know, we just did any, anything we could yeah. to like elevate the, the brand to make it look like a brand instead of a band, you know? Sure, sure. Well, and a lot of times too, you know, uh, online merch is thought of of like, well, that's just where you put your stuff that you didn't sell on tour. And right. when people actually started to view that as a sustainable, 
not sustainable, but like a supplemental income where it's like, hey, we should actually release just merch online and like not even bring that on tour. That was like, you know, when people were like, oh, that's a good idea. It's like, yeah. yeah. But yeah, to your to your point, just the, yeah, being able to upgrade from $2 a day to be like, hey, guys, we got $5 a day now. Like, yeah, exactly. Rolling. Exactly. Or like, hey, like, you know, we, we got a car. I bought a car. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is great. Is this what is this what being an adult feels like? <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, so how does you know? I mean, now that the band, because I mean, you have no ties with Hopeless anymore. Like you were essentially your own entity as far as you know, releasing your music and putting it out there. Um, right. You know, from a streaming perspective. So you know, I, I guess like making the band work now from a business perspective. Um, you know, how does that, I guess, how do you kind of like view that and how do you kind of handle it? Like, do you enjoy having kind of like that, you know, full, you know, for lack of a better term, full control? Uh, or is it one of those things where, well, this is just easier for us because of how, where we're at. Like we just, you know, there's no labels that we really want to work with that would like be willing to work with us. It's not like right. hopeless is like, oh yeah, I, I see where you guys are going. They're like, nah, it's not our wheelhouse guys. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was a conversation that like actually went really easy and well. And I think it was like they wanted to focus on another scene and another kind of thing, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, as far as being like self-sufficient, I mean, we've been doing the online store as kind of the main source of income since like 2000, probably 13 or maybe 12, um, maybe 11 even. Um, so yeah, I mean, when, when I was saying like, we, I was shipping it out myself, I mean, we've been like, even into our contract with hopeless, we had like a certain amount of merch that we could put in our own store at a time. And it was like eight items or something. Um, so that's when I started getting into, okay, we got to do limited edition stuff and maybe I can find a way around this contract when stuff is sold out, I can just leave it up on the store and you can't buy it. So you know, I would leave it up there and, and I would put like, eat like, a uh, the strategy was kind of sell it out limited. And then like, there's a thing on the site where you could like email me if it restocks. So then I could see who would want certain items to be restocked. So, and honestly, there was a time where we were hustling these free mind, open spirit hoodies. And I mean, dude, that the amount of hoodies that we like, I've, Back in, back then, I mean, my mind was fucking blown. I was just like, "How do so many people want this fucking hoodie?" And no one else was like, yeah. was, was like buying that hoodie or, or printing on that hoodie at the time. It was like this kind of like fashionable, like a two tone kind of hoodie, gray, like dark gray, charcoal gray in the middle, and then maroon sleeves. And I swear, right. we sold right. so many of those. That, those. Yeah, yeah. Right. and I was just like, "Why do these keep selling?" I was just like, I'm just going to, all right, I'm going to drop another round of them. Here we go. All right. This will, this will make sure that we have a good tour, you know? So we just kind of like learned how to get both, like, like you mentioned, like get kind of both burners working. Um, the tour, because at the time we were just eating shit, supporting all these bands that we were nice to take us out, but it just wasn't our thing, you know? And we were just getting paid dog shit to re- kind of support all these bands and merch was our only income at that point. So I think we were kind of forced to become like this quote unquote merch band where, you know, at, initially people tried to hate on us for it. They're just like, is this a band or a clothing line? And then, <laughs> you know, and then I just started answering both like, and they were like, Oh shit. Okay. Respect. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and then honestly, and now it's gotten to a point where we just don't even have to respond. 
Like it's other people will do it on our behalf, which is nice, honestly. Um, and people have just stopped like chirping on the internet about shit that doesn't matter. Like who gives a fuck, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's like a, yeah. I mean, as far as like circling back, sorry, I kind of went on a tangent, but no, um, no, it's fine. You know, like we've always kind of been self-sufficient, so I don't really know what it would even be like for us to sign to like, you know, a major label and then they have control of everything in the merch store and they're sending us like a crazy amount of designs that we're denying or asking for revisions on. We've just done it ourselves for so long that it just feels normal. Sure. Yeah. It feels normal to be able to release your own record. Cause you're like, well, right. we've been releasing all this stuff on our own anyway. So yeah, but it's funny you like you saying that, you know, in regards to the, the hoodie, it, it definitely, and maybe this is just a marker of, you know, getting older or the fact that, you know, we haven't been to shows in the past, you know, seven months or so. It doesn't feel like, you know, in the way that, you know, whatever I say, the Bane hoodie, and you know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about, of or course. like, you know, the, the stick to your guns, the like, you know, move sh- hoodie or whatever. It doesn't seem to be that maybe this is just a function of so many bands releasing so many pieces of merch, but it doesn't, there, it seems to be fewer and far between that, that, you know, it's like, oh, like, you no matter what show you go to you're guaranteed to see this piece of merch or whatever yeah, yeah so true. yeah yeah and like the yeah i think 2015 2016 is when that was kind of like maybe fading a little bit out true absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah and i feel like also it's kind of like a the whole pot just got stirred where everyone's just influenced by completely different things you know that's and true. everyone's yeah. tastes have become so wide that it's like you know you got a kid that's like in all black at one show you know with piercings and then you got a kid that's like a supreme kid um, and then you yeah. got like, you know, kind of norm core person, you know, sure. it's, it, yeah, it was right, just right. amazing. Yeah. It was just awesome. I think, yeah. but I mean, you know, you don't, I guess the only place that I really see like, mer- like going to a show and everyone wearing merchandise still is like Europe. I feel like everyone wears a band shirt to a show in Europe still, even the people, like the new people that we're playing to, um, right. Which yeah, like the last time we went to Europe, like when I had to ask who's seen us before, like either they couldn't understand me or no one had seen us before. <laughs> so yeah. that's so funny. And I was just like, wow, this is, but, but, you know, I think like wearing merchandise to the show is definitely like a, it, it definitely from the hardcore world, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and the last thing I want to hit on just because, you know, the, the idea of being, you know, so self-sufficient in regards to, you know, being a band. And like you said, you know, just having to do so much stuff on your own. Um, what are, you know, do those principles you feel kind of bleed into like almost everything you do? Or is it one of those things where, oh, I see myself doing that really specifically on just kind of my music life, but it doesn't bleed into any other aspects? Or how do you kind of you know, um, see that influencing you overall as a person? Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, hmm. I mean, yeah, I do a lot of stuff myself for sure. And like, I, I even like thinking like kind of a little bit deeper. It's like my family does the same thing almost like my, both of my parents are very like, you know, they own their own businesses and they do a lot of stuff themselves. And, um, I think, I, I mean, obviously I, I, yeah, I, th- I would say absolutely. I agree. And I think it probably is because of this band, you know, um, which is like, probably it makes sense. I mean, this, we've been building this band since like my formative, you know, 18, 19 years. So 
it kind of taught me that just like, Hey, no one's going to do shit for you. And there's no like solution on the other side. Like there's no, like you can't wait around for the right label or wait around for the right song. It's like, you just got to keep going and keep doing it, keep, and hopefully just slowly build it. And I think like, yeah, that definitely applies to a lot of other stuff, you know, um, that I do, um, creatively, whether it be like design or photos or, whatever it's like i i always try to know a lot know a little about a lot you know um and try to at least like kind of know how to dabble so i don't have to one wait on someone else to do it or two like pay them when i have time to do it myself you know um so yeah i mean i think it's definitely kind of shown me that doing it yourself is better because i feel like anytime someone's ever done something like as far as creatively um for me, I end up having so many complaints that I'm just like, I should have just done this myself. And that's probably, and that's totally, that's not, that's not any kind of bad juju to the person that I worked with. It's mainly just me being in like a neurotic idiot. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're the, yeah. You're like, I, I think the saying is, what is it? You know, a, uh, a mile wide and an inch deep, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Mm. You're like, okay, yeah. I know a lot. I know enough to be dangerous about all this stuff, but like, you know, don't True. ask me to go like five or six layers deep, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm good with the base level conversations, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't ask me music theory and, or True. you know what this filter does in, uh, you know, in Photoshop. <laughs> exactly. Or yeah. How to even have filters in Photoshop. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I, I guess the I guess the last thing I'm curious about is you know releasing a re- releasing a record in the time that we're currently in where you know there's you know clearly no live music and touring opportunities and stuff like that. Um, the you know is it one of those things where it's just like that's almost inconsequential to the fact that you know we were going to release this you know kind of whenever we felt ready and appropriate um, regardless of the circumstances. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I it's classic classic me, but like I thought that like after we got home from that Europe tour in like late February, maybe early March was right when lockdown hit. I thought that I would have the album done like within a couple of weeks and, um, and like, we'd be good to kind of just put it out. We had like a tour we were going to do in the U S in May that was kind of coming together. We hadn't announced it yet. So, I mean, I thought that, you know, we'd, we'd be good to go. Everything would be cool. And then once I started diving in, I mean, and it could have been, but it wouldn't have been the the same level of like, um it wouldn't have been as good as the album is in my opinion um if i would have like pushed it across as is because like certain songs got scrapped in those last couple months and like mixes came together a couple new songs got thrown on there um like lyrics completely changed choruses completely changed i mean it was like obviously lockdown sucks and like there's so many um bad things that came from that are, are happening and came from the virus and everything. But I mean, honestly, for me, like I, it was, it was a perfect time for me to really dive in and just like immerse myself back into the record after the tour and be like, okay, I I know I have a couple months now because I, we're not going to tour on this thing and no one's really releasing music right now. So maybe I'll take a couple months and really, really, really like try to polish the last 20% of this album. And I'm so glad I did. And, you know, obviously having that kind of uh, 
excuse to just not do anything and work on, I couldn't go anywhere for happy hour and get distracted or like, couldn't go out and like do stuff. It was just like, Hey, I'm going to be in the studio every day working on it. So that's basically what I did. And then honestly, like me and Sam mixed it, mixed the whole album over zoom for like two weeks straight. It was crazy. Like for like 12 (laughs) hours a day, we're just like on zoom, like going back and forth. It was like, and my wife is still just like, God, I've never heard the, like, that was the loudest music I've ever heard for like two weeks straight. (laughs) He's just so loud. He's so loud in his studio. I'm like, have my monitors blaring in mine. Yeah. Crazy, man. That's so funny. Yeah. But, you know, looking at the, yeah, looking at the end result, I'm like so happy it happened the way it is, which is if that's, you know, if I can, if I can be forgiven for having like a silver lining to, to a really shitty time and a shitty year, it's like, man it really like gave me some time to really get in and actually like make something that I'm insanely proud of, which is, which I'm thankful for. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Well, Chad, thank you again for doing this and walking me through all the, uh, you know, the, the fun changes in your life. (laughs) That was Chad or Chadwick, whatever you want to call him. He responds to both names, but like I said, you have to check out the new 100th record. It is really, really good. I enjoy it immensely. Pretty the vinyl was uh, was doing that first day. <laughs> I remember I was ordering it like, you know, my 6.30 a.m. walk, just being like, oh, damn, I got to gotta get that colored vinyl. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much, Chad, for making it happen. And thank you to James, publicist, for bringing the idea to me. And uh, that's what we got for this week. Next week is a really cool conversation because I did not know this person at all. And I had only kind of surface level knowledge of his band. His name is Nate Garrett. He plays in a band called Spirit Adrift, a really, really interesting story and compelling band. And we, we, we dove deep and we had a lot of fun doing it. So that's what I got next week. And I just love the diversity where it's like one week I could have this, you know, interesting dream pop record that comes out in the form of hundredth. And then the next week I can have a person like Nate from spirit Adrift, Who's a straight up metal band on the show. So it's, it's fun stuff. Anyways, until next week, please be safe, everybody. <laughs>